So we've been telling you about Walter's Brunch the last few days, but did you know that Walter's also is open for lunch? Monday through Friday, Walter's opens at noon for lunch, midday baseball watching, and even the occasional European soccer match. So if you find yourself around the ballpark during the day, make sure you walk on over to Walter's. Check out Walter's famous self-pour beer wall, including many local drafts. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 3-2 coming to Swanson. And this is hit high in the air to deep left field. Harrison back looking up and there it goes. That is long gone. About 12 rows deep, which match the Swanson hitting streak now. 12 game hitting streak, home run number 10. And a two run bomb is broken and open. It's four to nothing. And welcome to Nats Chat for Friday, June 4th, 2021, along with Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman of BassInSports.com. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. Well, a three-game winning streak was not to be. So much for the Nationals offense having been better the last two games. Back to what we have become way too accustomed to were we with the Nationals offense on Thursday afternoon. A 5-1 loss at the Atlanta Braves. And that's end up splitting their four-game series at the Braves. That's lose for a sixth time in eight games, fall to 23-30 and 30 on the season, including 3-7 and seven now against the Braves on the year. Mark, it was nice while it lasted, that two-game winning streak. It was nice. This one had no resemblance to those two games at all. And that, I think, was frustrating. But I, I think also, if I'd said to you going into the series, if they split it, go 2-2, two and two, especially knowing that Strasburg wasn't even going to make it out of the second inning in his start, you'd say, of course you'd take that. So I think that part of it, you know, you can take sort of a glass half full approach, but by the same token, given what we saw on Tuesday and Wednesday and knowing they were facing a starting pitcher that most of us had never heard of before on Thursday, you'd say, man, there's a chance to win this series. And so that makes it a disappointment. So it depends how you want to look at it. You can afford to lose some games every now and again that you think you should win, but they've already used up a lot of those this year. And if they are going to actually get back in this thing, they're going to have to win more of these games that are there for the taking. So to that point, there's a reality that's starting to settle in here. And I felt like Davey Martinez sort of spoke to it during his post-game Zoom press conference. The Nats, as I mentioned now, are 23-30 and 30 on the season. If we all agree the Nats need to get to 90 wins to make the postseason, give or take, understand the Nats now have to go 67-42 and 42 the rest of the season to get to 90 wins. We can talk about how it's early, okay? But you got to go now 67-42 and 42 to get to 90 wins. You got to go 25 games above 500 
to get to 90 wins. Is that possible? Sure. Is that probable? I'll let you decide based on what we've seen with this team so far this season. With each passing game, with each coming loss, especially in a game like this one when you're facing Tucker Davidson, these things start to mount and they add up. And, and I felt like we kind of got that sense listening to Davey in his post-game press conference. Yeah, we got to go. Man, it's go time. And uh, I think that's fair to say. It's June. And I think his point also was that offensively, they're healthy now. Like they're not waiting for somebody to come back. They're healthy. Soto is starting to hit. Bell and Schwarber have had their moments. I know Schwarber set out this game with a, a little bit of a bad knee, but there are no excuses really anymore from them, at least from an offensive standpoint. And maybe they're not going to be a juggernaut of a lineup that scores 11 runs like they did on Tuesday, but they really should not be getting shut out essentially by a guy named Tucker Davidson. I had to look up his name because I even forgot it already. <laughs> Tucker Davidson, okay, in his third career start and then three Braves relievers. And, and I'm going to consider it a shutout because it was a shout-out until two outs in the ninth when they got back-to-back hits from Jordy Mercer and Alex Avila and ruined the story I had already ready to go on MassInSports.com, saying that they had been shut out for the eighth time this year, which would have matched the entire total of the 2019 season. So that tells you where we are, that essentially eight times in one-third of the season, they've been shut out. That's not going to work anymore. They've got to be better. They've got to be more consistent. Nats total just four hits, a double and three singles to go with five walks, went one for nine with runners in scoring position. The offense stinks in case uh, anyone's not aware of that at this point. And I think my favorite part about the game was that the Nats lone run came thanks to Jordy Mercer and Alex Avila, that dynamic duo that we all were looking forward to seeing going into the season. But let's understand something about Tucker Davidson. You know, we've seen the Nats get humbled mightily by the likes of, you know, Jacob DeGrom and Brandon Woodruff this season. Tucker Davidson, like Mark said, made his third major league start on Thursday afternoon. Tucker Davidson is not some like highly touted prospect who just got called up by the Braves. Tucker Davidson was taken by the Braves in the 19th round of the 2016 MLB draft. That's who Tucker Davidson is. And he, in his third major league start on Thursday, tossed five and two thirds scoreless innings with five strikeouts versus one hit and five walks. The Nationals got silenced by Tucker Davidson, a 2016 19th round selection on Thursday afternoon. It hasn't just been the DeGroms and the Woodruffs of the world doing this this season. It's been the Tucker Davidsons of the world doing this this season. And I think in a lot of ways, Thursday really stands out as one of the lower points for the offense. And it sounds so funny because the offense had been so much better these last two games, but this really was a bad performance by the Nationals lineup. Thank you for saying Tucker Davidson's name about seven times there, because now I will remember it. I will not forget it the rest of the podcast. Yeah, I agree. And I think this game exposed something that you've been talking about all year long, the lack of depth. On a day when Kyle Schwarber had to sit because his knee was sore, looks like it's going to be okay in the big picture, but he did need to take the day off. And Jan Gomes, who had caught five days in a row, had to take the day off. So now Alex Avila is catching and starting a game against a lefty. And now Jordy Mercer is your second baseman and Josh Harrison becomes your left fielder because all your other backup outfielders bat left-handed and you don't have any right-handed hitters to step in, boy, the depth was really exposed in this game. And the one sort of rally they tried to get going in the top of the fifth, I think, was the the encapsulation of it. They get a leadoff walk from Robles. Mercer actually gets a hit, the first hit of the game in the fifth inning. But now it's first and second. And who's coming up? Avila and then the pitcher, Okay. Now, this maybe was the one time that would have been better to have the pitcher hitting eighth because maybe you could have bunted him up, although Corbin didn't get the bunt down later on, so it didn't matter. 
But Avila, with first and second, nobody out, strikes out, doesn't even put the ball in play. Corbin gets ahead 2-0, and oh, ultimately can't even get the bunt down, fouls it off. And now you're leaving it in the hands of Trey Turner with two outs and two on. And Turner, who didn't have a great day himself, grounds out on the first pitch. But like that to me encapsulated it where the bottom half of the lineup is just not capable of stringing together enough to score a run until there were two outs in the ninth. And that's a problem when you have a day where justifiably he needed to sit a couple of guys who who needed the rest physically. They just don't have the bats to put in there to replace them. And ultimately, the only way this team scores enough runs is if it's two or three best hitters at the top of the lineup are on. And if they're not, there's just nobody else to fill in the gap. So you mentioned the top of the lineup. Another theme with the Nationals' offensive struggles this season has been an over-reliance on people who should not be relied upon nearly enough. Josh Harrison was the Nationals' number two batter in all four games in this series. Josh Harrison is supposed to be a utility man. Josh Harrison, as nice of a story as he was for a while this season, has really come back crashing down to earth here lately. Josh Harrison's OPS for the season has plummeted by 102 points since the start of games on May 25th. May 25th was not two months ago. May 25th was what, a week ago? His OPS for the year has dropped by 102 points since then. Harrison, over the course of these four games, at the Atlanta Braves, ends up going two for 16 with two singles and a walk. You cannot have Josh Harrison as your number two batter on the regular. It was nice what he was doing early in the season. That was never going to last. That was never going to continue. And he's being leaned on way too much. Starling Castro. I mean, I hate to keep beating up on Starling Castro here, but Starling Castro, national starting third baseman, all four games in the series, he goes two for 15, two for 15 with two walks, and seven strikeouts. Starling Castro now on the season is batting 249 with a 304 on base and a 320 slugging percentage. His war on the season per baseball reference coming into games on Thursday was 0.1, which simply means he's essentially been a replacement level player so far this season. And it's not Starling Castro's fault that he's being leaned on a lot, just like it's not Josh Harrison's fault that he's being leaned on a lot. But like, This is what the state of the Nationals lineup is. They're putting way too much on guys who just are not equipped to handle what's being put upon them. And that's why if there is a move to be made, and and maybe now that we're in June, we can start talking about some possibilities out there. To me, that move is for either a third baseman or a second baseman. And that would be somebody who could maybe hit a little higher in the lineup, somebody who could allow Castro to move down somebody who could allow Harrison to move into the utility role that he's been supposed to be holding all along. I think Josh Harrison can be a productive player for you. I think it's when he plays every day, he's getting worn down. That's not a surprise. I don't think anybody's surprised by that. And I, and I think Davey Martinez would agree. And this is where we go back to the domino effect of the Carter Keboom failure in spring training is on full display there. If he just makes the team and is competent as an everyday third baseman, it allows others to go into these other roles that they should have been in all along. And you're seeing it on full display now to the point that I do think at some point, if they are serious about trying to make a run here, they need to acquire another bat. And it's probably got to be somebody who could play one of those two infield positions and could hit in the top half of a lineup to take the pressure off the others. Hey everyone, Tim Shovers here to tell you again about Sunday Scaries CBD gummies. Sunday Scaries is here to hook up our listeners for your first order. 
Go to sundayscaries.com and type in Nats Chat. That's one word in the promo code to get 25% off your first order. Again, it's sundayscaries.com. When you enter the promo code at checkout, type in Nats Chat to receive 25% off your first order. They have plenty of options, including oils, bath bombs, and gummies. I've been using the gummies. It helps me sleep as I sign up for the night at rather unusual hours. Right now, I'm taking the vegan AF gummies. It's actually the only vegan thing I consume. And Sunday Scaries appeals to a wide range of people, including young professionals, moms, college students, entrepreneurs, and more. To recap, sundayscaries.com, promo code NATSCHAT to save 25% off your first order. I have an insane idea I want to run by you right now. Okay. Howie Kendrick retired. Do you think it's possible Mike Rizzo calls up Howie Kendrick and says, Howie, Bubala, we need you. Come out of retirement. This will be the easiest seven figures you've ever made. We will give you the Ryan Zimmerman treatment, you know, and you can bat 350 like we know you can in a limited role. Do you think there's any chance? You know, we saw the Astros do this with Roger Clemens years ago, where he became like a part-time guy who would be summoned when the Astros needed him, that kind of a thing. Is there any chance Rizzo does something like this, like calls up Kendrick and sees if Kendrick will come out of retirement? If he does, I guarantee you he isn't calling him Bubala. Uh, (laughs) Nice job with that Yiddish there, my friend. I really doubt it. I mean, I think that Howie had made peace with the idea of being done. I think last year especially was really a physical grind for him and his body. And what he realized is that as much as he could still produce, as much as he still loved to play, just the simple act of getting himself onto the field every day was really tough. And I don't know that he is ready and willing to do that. And honestly, even if they made the call today, he'd probably need a month to get himself ready. (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, you know, seriously, I mean, you know, it's, it's it needs spring training. I'm sure I'm, uh, you know, I don't know what Howie Kendrick's uh, retirement uh, workout routine is out there in Phoenix, but I'm guessing it's not similar to what he was doing as a major league player. So, you know, he would need spring training. So you're not crazy to like suggest it. And like, he'd be perfect for them. Of course, <laughs> that's exactly what they're missing. But I think that ship has sailed, unfortunately. Was a rough game on Thursday for Ryan Zimmerman. Uh, He was starting, which was good to see. Remember, he didn't start game three because he was sore. Davey Martinez revealed that to us on Wednesday night. Zimmerman 0 for 4 with a strikeout, left four men on base, struck out on five pitches with Trey Turner on second, two outs in the top of the eighth. Um, Look, there's not a lot of solace to be had with this game. It was, though, nice to see Juan Soto draw two more walks in the game. Now, he didn't have a hit. That's true. But Juan Soto, over the course of the four games at the Braves, ends up going five for 11 with two homers, three singles, and six walks. So, you know, another sign there that the Juan Soto we know and love uh, is, in fact, reemerging. Trey Turner only had a hit in the game, but Trey Turner actually ends up having a nice series off. Remember, having a terrible start to the series. He went 0 for 5 with four strikeouts in game one, 6 of 14 with a double, five singles, and a stolen base over the rest of the series. And with the lineup on Thursday afternoon, Victor Robles incredibly batted in the sixth spot. I have no idea if this is just a one-game thing. It certainly kind of feels that way with all the reserves who were playing. But Victor Robles, for once, was not batting ninth in a David Martinez lineup. He was batting sixth. He went 0 for 3 with a walk and a couple of strikeouts and made another really nice catch, that leaping catch against the center field wall to rob Austin Riley of a hit with a runner on second and two outs in the bottom of the first. At least for one day, we had a more appropriate spot in the order for Victor Robles. Yeah, and I think that was entirely a reflection of who the seven and eight hitters were, Mercer and Avila. And I think it would have been very difficult to justify batting Jordy Mercer sixth in this game and Alex Avila seventh and then Corbin eighth and, and Robles ninth. 
you know, I don't know that sixth is ultimately the right spot for Victor Robles either, <laughs> but uh, in this lineup, it was probably about, you know, what they needed to try to do. Back to uh, Turner and Soto here real quick. I do think that Juan Soto is looking like Juan Soto again, and I think they've, they're over whatever that was. You know, again, let's see it over the weekend in Philly, but he seemed like he's in a good place now. And Trey Turner, you hope, can get back to where he needs to be. Start hitting for power. He hasn't really hit for any power in a while. He's been getting on base, but what has turned him into this, you know, MVP-style candidate has been his ability to hit for power on top of that. But look, we talk about it's go time. It's go time for those two. I mean, if this team is going to do anything offensively, it's going to be Trey Turner and Juan Soto leading the charge. And as we've been saying, if they aren't doing it, there just isn't enough depth from anyone else to provide that for you. So it's going to have to come from those two. And on days when they don't hit, they're really going to struggle to score runs. Yeah. Turner also does not draw walks. And I know that's kind of been a thing with him for years. This isn't new, but you know, you think a guy as good as he is as a hitter would draw more walks. He doesn't. And you know, ideally your number one batter is doing a little more in the way of that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey everyone, Al Galdi here to tell you about FanDuel. So we've all had that dream, right? Tie game, bottom of the ninth, bases loaded. Well, on FanDuel Sportsbook, you get more than one shot to swing for the fences because FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free. That's right, new users get up to $1,000 back in site credit if your first bet doesn't win, and it only gets better from there. Once you have an account, you'll have access to same-game parlay insurance all season long. That's up to $25 back inside credit each day if your same game parlay bet falls one leg short. This way, you can combine multiple baseball bets for an even bigger win. Big time pitching matchup in Buffalo on Friday night. Zach Ranke and the Houston Astros versus Hyunjin Ryu and the Toronto Blue Jays. The under feels like the play. There's a reason that FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sportsbook. The app is simple to use. They've got great odds on all different betting markets, unique fun bet types like same game parlay and always on promotions to let you get more action out of every game day. And when you win, FanDuel will pay you your winnings in as little as 24 hours. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code CHAT to get in on the action. That's FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code CHAT. 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, or West Virginia. First on my real money wager, only for risk-free bet. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site. Credit that expires in seven days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanal.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 109-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 100-GAMBLER, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia. 
Tennessee, 1-800-889-9789, or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. Swing and a miss, struck him out on a high fastball. So Corbin wins that battle and gets strikeout number two. He's able to work around the walk here in the third. Patrick Corbin was the Nats' starting pitcher on Thursday afternoon. And Patrick Corbin, not unlike the Joe Ross start in this series, a very Jekyll and Hyde outing. The final line does not end up being good. Four runs in five into third innings. But he was quite good for five innings. And then everything fell apart in a four-run brave six. Corbin tossed five scoreless innings but then gave up the four runs in the bottom of the six. Lead-off full count single by Ronald Acuna Jr., despite him having been down in the count at 1.02. Stolen base by Acuna. One-out RBI single by Ozzie Albies on a 1-2 pitch. And Josh Harrison was a starting left fielder for this game, committing a fielding error on the play. One-out first pitch RBI double by Austin Riley. One-out full count two-run homer by Dansby Swanson. And then Corbin issued a one-out five-pitch walk of A. Ray Andrianza and Davey Martinez then mercifully pulled Corbin from the game. You know, we've said this with Patrick Corbin, Mark. He doesn't miss bats like he used to for whatever reason. It's very concerning, very alarming. And he was able to maneuver around that over the first five innings with the five scoreless innings. But Braves start making contact in that four-run six inning. Damage inflicted. Corbin starts missing the strike zone. And uh, it ends up not being a great outing when it was looking like a very nice outing for Patrick Corbin for so much of the day. It looked like it was going to be a great outing for him and exactly what they needed after, you know, Strasburg had to leave in the second inning and Lester had to pitch on short rest. I mean, their bullpen was really taxed going into this one. And Davey talked about this before the game. We talked about go time for the hitters. He thinks it's also go time for his rotation to start going deeper in games. And in their last 17 games now, the Nationals have only gotten six full innings from their starter twice. And both times, you're not surprised to hear, came from Max Scherzer. So obviously, Strasburg is out of the mix right now. Who's the next guy on the list that needs to be giving you six innings consistently? It's Patrick Corbin. He needs to do that. He was on track for it. I mean, if you asked me at the beginning of the sixth inning, is he going to complete this inning? I said, of course he is. He might even go into the seventh at this rate. And it did fall apart. Now, there were some ground ball singles to start the inning. And that was a little bit of bad luck on his part. But like you said, when you're not missing bats, you do run that risk. You're kind of taking your chances of hoping they hit it at someone and they didn't there. But then the home run pitch was a bad pitch, hung a slider to Dansby Swanson, then the walk after that, and he just ran out of gas. So a guy who was at only 53 pitches through five innings, I mean, that's like complete game territory if you can keep that up. He ends up only getting one more out in the sixth. And so that is really, really disappointing. And I didn't ask him this, but I wonder if... He did run out of gas by the sixth inning, even though the pitch count was low. And maybe he ran out of gas by the sixth inning because he just hasn't been in that position very much this year. And and this is somebody who should be in that position more. Now, I get the reasons why he hasn't been. He hasn't earned it. And on some occasions when he has pitched well, the team has needed to pinch hit for him because they're trailing. But this is something that's going to have to change. I know it's not necessarily the style in MLB in 2021 to have starters go deep. But I think we can say now the path for this team to win, if there is one, is going to be behind its rotation, behind, you know, the two, three relievers they really trust, and then behind a lineup that just makes the most of the opportunities they get. It's got to start with the rotation, and Corbin has to be uh, high on that list doing better than he has. Yeah, man. I think the real worry is that the rotation just may not be up to the task, and that beyond Max Scherzer, this just may not be that good of a rotation. You know, if we're talking about Patrick Corbin in 2019, then yeah. But the Patrick Corbin of 2020 and 2021 is a different guy. 
And, you know, we've spent so much time the last few days talking about Steven Strasburg, and it's a sad state right now with where the Nats are at with Strasburg. But at least with Strasburg underperforming his big contract, you could say that's injury-related. Like, if Strasburg is healthy, he's still a very good pitcher. What I think is so alarming about Corbin is he seems to be healthy. He seems to be perfectly fine. He's just not an effective pitcher for now two seasons. Patrick Corbin on Thursday afternoon made his 11th start of the year. He made 11 starts all of last season. So this is now a 22-start stretch in which Patrick Corbin has been a bad pitcher. Patrick Corbin now on the season, 11 starts. He's got an ERA of 628. His last four starts, he's given up 15 runs in 21 innings. This is now four consecutive bad outings for Corbin. And unfortunately, you have to end up calling this outing on Thursday bad because of what that final line ended up being. Now, there's context to it like we just went through. But like at the end of the day, how many runs did you give up? How many innings did you pitch? Like that's really what it's about. You know, don't tell me about the pain. Just show me the baby. You know, that sort of thing. And for Corbin, the baby was four runs in five and a third innings. And he doesn't miss bats. He was a high strikeout guy in his last season with the Diamondbacks 2018, first season with the Nats 2019. The strikeout rate has plummeted over the last few years. And especially in an environment, you know, baseball, every year the strikeout rate overall goes up. Corbin's strikeout rate is going down. So that's another thing. It's not just that his strikeout rate is going down. It's that it's going down in an environment in which the strikeout rate continues to ascend. That's a concern. They don't have a real handle on this, do they? Like why he's not missing bats like he was. He's he's certainly not like an old pitcher to where you say, well, he's just a fading guy. And the idea of like, can he get back to where he was in 18 and 19? I don't know that that's a given at this point. I think we've all kind of had this thing of like, well, he'll get back to where he was. I don't know that we can count on that at this point. They don't really have an explanation for it. And that is very maddening, I think, for everyone, because there isn't something you can point to and say, oh, well, the velocity's down or he's hurt, which he, he isn't. Uh, he still throws the same stuff. I think the issue here is that, as we've seen, he has to be able to miss bats to be successful. He's not going to win with just weak contact. And in order to get swings and misses, he's got to get that on his slider. And if his fastball isn't good or if he, if hitters are picking up on the slider and not thinking it's a fastball, that basically the reason he got so many strikeouts in 2019 was that the slider would come in and they would think it was a fastball in the zone. They'd swing at it and all of a sudden it darts down to his feet. And for whatever reason, they're not making that assumption anymore, either because the fastball isn't that good or because the slider is distinctive enough that they're picking up on it. And as we've been talking about for so long, like that's his one path. There isn't another path to success for him. And it worked really well in 2019. It is not working right now. And I don't know what the answer is to try to figure that out. You know, I'm not a pitching guru. Jim Hickey, you would hope, can work with him on some things to make that deception, whatever it is, or to find something else that can work, whether it's change up, whatever. But that's got to flip. And that is the biggest disappointment on the team that's not injury related, of course, because it's supposed to be a big three this rotation. Right now, it's a big one. The number two guy isn't there because he's hurt. The number three guy isn't doing it because he's just ineffective. Yeah, and I don't know which one is worse. I mean, they're both bad predicaments to be in here. Nats bullpen on Thursday afternoon. Three relievers combined to allow one run in two and two-thirds innings. Kyle McGowan, Sam Clay, and our guy, our homie, Paolo Espino, were on display. Uh, McGowan, who, by the way, was recalled again this week from AAA Rochester. He was the corresponding roster move because why wouldn't he be? to Steven Strasburg going on the 10-day injured list. Uh, Looked good. Retired the only two batters he faced for the final two outs and that Braves four-run six inning. Sam Clay did give up a run. Bottom of the seventh, one-out full count walk of Ronald Acuna Jr. Two-out first pitch RBI double by Ozzie Albies, who, by the way, just scorched the Nats 
in this series. I mean, Acuna definitely inflicted a lot of damage. Freddie Freeman, interestingly, this season has been rather quiet against the Nets. But man, Albies was a one-man wrecking crew throughout this series. And then the run preventer, the ace reliever, that is Paolo Espino, was in effect a perfect bottom of the eighth with two strikeouts. ERA for the season down to 212. Whip for the season down to 071. Beautiful job by Paolo in that perfect bottom of the eighth. And those numbers include his one emergency start. If you just look at him as a reliever, he has faced 44 batters. He has retired 38 of them, Al. Wow. 38 of 44 batters retired. What more does Paolo need to do? Now, these are low leverage situations that he's typically in. So perhaps it's not time to name him the new, you know, setup man or the new fireman to get out of a jam. But he's doing everything they could ask of him. Good for him for that. They may need him in part on Sunday because it sounds like it could be a bullpen game with no real starter available. That's the Strasburg start, and Eric Fetty's not going to be ready for that because he made a rehab start for Wilmington on Thursday. I want to go to one other thing, though, about the bullpen management of this game, something that bugged me a little bit about the way Davey did this. So when he pulled Corbin with one out in the sixth after the walk, and he brings in McGowan, the pitcher spot was due up the next inning. It was due up third. And so what he wound up getting is that McGowan faced two hitters, retired them both. He threw seven pitches, and then he had to pinch hit for him. Now, as much as he's had to rely on the bullpen, and you're already down 4 nothing at this point, and I'm not saying you're conceding, but you acknowledge when you're trailing four runs in the later innings of a game, you're not going to your A bullpen at this point. To me, that was a perfect spot to double switch, get somebody else out of the game, double switch out, and maybe let McGowan just finish the game for you and not have to use up the other guys. And it's a small thing. Maybe I'm nitpicking here, but I thought that was a, a case where if you're trying to protect some arms in your bullpen in a game that appeared to be lost at that point, just double switch out, let one guy finish the game and give the other guys the day off. Yeah, I don't think that's an unreasonable argument. I mean, I think it's kind of sad that we say 4 nothing. you have to concede the game, but with their offense, 4 nothing feels like 15 nothing. That's kind of the way the season has gone. With what you said about Espino, I, I know you're kidding when you say that, But at what point do we start to take his number seriously and say, maybe it's time to start using him beyond just this mop-up role? I mean, right now, the waving of the white flag is when Paolo Espino is in the game because it's Davey Martinez saying, all right, we're not going to win this game. So Paolo, you go eat up some innings. But he's been so good. He throws strikes. I mean, he doesn't overwhelm you with his velocity. He doesn't overwhelm you with like how he looks, okay? Like one of the reasons we have fun with this is because, well, first of all, his name is Paolo Espino. It just sounds like kind of a a guy who's your next door neighbor. And the other thing is, I mean, let's be honest, you know, he he doesn't exactly look like a bodybuilder, you know? I mean, Steven Strasburg, whatever you want to say about him, looks like an athlete, you know, broad shoulders, big arms, you know, he clearly works out. Paolo, he's, he's, you know, he's got a little bit of a gut, you know, he's not exactly 6'6", like he looks like a Paolo Espino. But in baseball, we've seen this so many times over the years, just because you look a certain way doesn't mean you are a certain way. And he's getting outs. And we've seen a lot of weird reliever occurrences over the years where guys who don't look the part, don't have the pedigree, end up actually doing quite well for at least a season. Like, when do we turn the corner with Paolo Espino and start giving him more of a responsibility in this Nationals bullpen, especially with the fatigue that's settling in for, you know, someone like, say, a Daniel Hudson? Yeah, I think there are spots you could do it. And it doesn't have to be the highest leverage spot. He's not going to be the one to try to put out a fire with two on in a one-run game in the seventh inning. But maybe he is the one who pitches the sixth inning when the starter comes out and the game's still kind of competitive. Or maybe he's pitching, you know, maybe he's closing a game that they're up by four runs and you don't have to use Brad Hand. 
because it's not officially a save situation. So I, I think there are some ways kind of like they've done a little bit with Austin Voth at times, put him into a little, maybe a medium leverage spot, see how he handles it. I think you could do that and see what, you know, where it goes. But I mean, look at what we're talking about here. We're, we're talking about should Paolo Espino have a larger role on the team? That's where we're at right now, 53 games in. I don't think this is a spot any of us were expecting. But let me just say, if, as you're describing Paolo's body, I'm going to throw some more Yiddish at you. I think the word for it is Zoftig. Okay. I don't know if that's the correct. It might only be for a woman. So my apologies if I'm using that incorrectly. But I think Zoftig is the word for uh, how you're trying to describe Paolo's body type. I will uh, take your word on that. You, you know, Paolo, it reminds me of Matt Albers for the Nationals in 2017. Matt Albers was a bad reliever for many, many years. Now, he lasted for many, many years in the majors. But like, if you look at Matt Albers, he had a lot of bad seasons. He had some good seasons, too. But out of nowhere, in 2017, Matt Albers had a 162 ERA for the Nationals. And you see this sometimes. It doesn't make any sense, and yet it happens. Someone who has no business being lights out of the bullpen ends up being lights out of the bullpen. And maybe for whatever reason, 2021 is the year of Espino. We shall see. It sure as heck ain't the year for a lot of other guys on the Nationals, at least not yet. Matt Albers was Zoftig, which I just looked up. It means having a full rounded figure or plump, typically used of a woman. But Matt Albers definitely was Zoftig. Yes, yes, he was. Yes, he was. And he he was good for that one season. He was. Uh, All right. Three game series for the Nationals coming up over the weekend at the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, Max Scherzer going to be starting game one. Joe Ross in game two. And like Mark said, it's looking like maybe a bullpen game in game three. I tell you, the Nats never do stuff like this. They never use openers. They never go with bullpen games. It sounds like they may be doing this. It's not a definite, though, right, for Sunday. Yeah, it's not a definite. It may depend on how the first two games go. If they get innings from their starters and they don't have to burn up the bullpen, then maybe, you know, a combination of Voth and Espino. And and Eric Fetty could be part of it, assuming he he made it through the rehab start fine. He's not going to be able to start on only two days rest. But that would be like his bullpen day between starts. Maybe he's good for an inning for you. So they could piece it together that way. But I think they're going to have to wait and see how these first couple of games go. If for whatever reason, Scherzer and Ross need a lot of help and they need to burn up some of those guys, they may have to call someone up. But there's just not a great option for them at this point, waiting for them at AAA to start a game. And so I think they feel like their better chance, especially with an off day on Monday, is just use up your relievers on Sunday and hope that somehow gets you a win. Yeah, it's been a while since the Nats had a scheduled off day. Of course, they did have an off day last Friday because of the rainout, but uh, this team, this bullpen, could certainly use that coming up. But three games at the Phillies off on Monday, then two games at the Tampa Bay Rays. You tell us what you think. A lot going on with the Nationals right now. The season is teetering here. You know, they're still in it, of course. You're not buried 53 games into the season, but man, disappointing to not score more than one run against, again, Tucker Davidson on Thursday afternoon. You can tweet us at Nats underscore chat. You can email us natschatpodcast at gmail.com. If you have voice memos that you'd like to send to us, i.e. saying something about the team, asking a question about the team, just record yourself speaking in your smartphone and email that to us again, natschatpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to become a sponsor of the Nats Chat Podcast, email Tim Shovers, natschatpodcast at gmail.com. Com. No other podcast gives you baseball conversation, sabermetrics, and Yiddish like the Nats Chat Podcast. Understand that. Uh, t-shirts remain available as well. Nats Chat Podcast t-shirts. You can find those natschatpodcast.square.site. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. We'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. Go give your kids a kushla on the Kepala, Al.